Hey, it's Eric Crocker. Remember, search my podcast press coverage on the Blue Wire Network. Hey guys, and welcome to the latest episode of the Drive Board Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at jreednfl. That's at J-R-E-I-D-N-F-L. You can also find my work on CoverOne.net. Also, ClimbingThePocket.com. We have a little bit of a twist to today's show, and I want to introduce a new segment called Around the League. This is a segment where I'm actually interviewing 32 beat writers that cover every single team throughout the NFL. And today, we have John Weinfuss, an ESPN NFL Nation reporter for the Arizona Cardinals. There's a bevy of topics that we dived into, from the transition from Steve Wilkes to Cliff Kingsbury, to exactly what Steve Kime and Michael Bidwell were thinking with the decision behind drafting Kyler Murray. We dive into the rest of the 2019 draft class and some actual realistic expectations for the Cardinals going forward, especially since they're in the tough division known as the NFC West with the Seattle Seahawks, the Los Angeles Rams, and the San Francisco 49ers. This is a segment that I'll be doing every Monday and Friday just to pull the curtain back and provide a different type of atmosphere and insight into every team throughout the league. So without further ado, here is my interview with Josh Weinfust of ESPN. I'm pleased to be joined by Josh Weinfuss, an ESPN NFL Nation reporter for the Arizona Cardinals. Josh, how you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. No, thank you. And this is a new segment that I'm actually introducing. You're actually my first ever guest. It's called the Around the League segment, and we're kicking it off with the Arizona Cardinals. But something that I always do with every single person that I have on the podcast, I open the floor just to get some expectations of what you did to get to this point and what would be some advice that you give to some people that are vying to be in your position. So I just want to open the floor to you. Just tell us about your career journey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wanted to be a sports journalist um, as long as I can remember. I mean, I would say going back to when I was about 10 years old, uh, my parents started to notice I would watch the news write about it so they figured they were on to something and then when all my hopes and dreams of becoming a professional athlete died after high school um you know i really kind of figured let's get pretty serious about it i wrote for my junior high paper i wrote for my high school paper i wrote for my college paper i had internships um and then i was willing i think this is the most important thing i was willing to kind of go wherever i needed to go and move wherever i needed to move to chase the dream. And it wasn't easy at, at times. I mean, you don't make a lot of money early on in your career as a sports writer, um, working for small newspapers. Um, but, you know, I always knew what I wanted the end goal to be. So my first, uh, my first gig out of college, I guess you can call it, was an internship at the Arizona Republic out here in Phoenix, actually, coincidentally, worked here for oh, about a year. Um, and then uh, did a quick brief stint at MLB.com covering spring training. Um, and then it was time to kind of figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And I ended up getting a job at the Panama City News Herald in Florida. Worked there for about four years. Um, it was a great learning experience. You know, I think everybody wants to go to a big outlet right off the bat. But I think cutting your teeth at a small um, outlet, whether it's a newspaper or a website, what have you, um, is important because you learn how to be a reporter. You learn how to do everything. I covered, you name it, I covered it between uh, you know University of Florida football, I covered junior college basketball, high school sports, community sports, youth sports, um, kind of got a whole taste of, of everything. Um, spent four years there and then moved on to the Times of Northwest Indiana where I was an enterprise writer 
which was also another experience, kind of a bigger sports market there right outside Chicago. So we had all of that right at our doorstep. Um, and I was able to kind of focus on some bigger pieces, some features, some profiles, some investigations, stuff like that. Um, but it was also at the same time that the newspaper industry was starting to shrink dramatically and we were losing jobs and not replacing them. And I kind of saw the writing on the wall and realized, you know what, that was my time to get out of newspapers and try to go, um, in my opinion, what I thought was the ability to cut about 10 years off my career. So I went to grad school, got a master's of sports journalism from IUPUI, but being an Indiana guy, I went to Indiana University. I want to focus on the IU part of the IUPUI. So got my degree, my, my master's degree in sports uh, sports journalism um, and, and actually ended up in a weird twist of fate working, getting a job for the Arizona Cardinals, worked for their website for a year um, out here in, in, in Arizona. Kind of that brought me out West again. And then um, about a year into that ESPN started uh, what's, what's called NFL nation where they hired one reporter per team. And I uh, went through the interview process with them and got the job and we are now six years into it, uh, and here I am still working for ESPN. Wow, that's a fantastic journey, and you seem to have touched on every single background. And something that I did want to ask you, you have a well-diverse background and not just one sport. So what is it like, or what do you think is the biggest difference being in something like baseball as opposed to football? Honestly, nothing. It's, you know, you if you can write about one sport, you can write about them all. It's the only difference is learning the rules and understanding the actual game. Other than that, I mean, you, you pretty much, you know, you, if you can ask the right questions, you can cover any sport there is. Everyone has stories. Um, I like to tell people everyone has a story. Some are just better than others. So if you can go and find those stories, um, it doesn't matter what you're covering. You know, it doesn't matter what level you're covering. I mean, I think obviously if you get into the, you know, covering professional sports, there's probably a little bit more accountability simply because of the level of, of athletics that they're playing. Um, and they're obviously getting paid a lot of money to do their job. So as, as a reporter, you got to help hold them accountable to a certain level, but you don't really do that with youth sports or high school sports or whatnot. But, um, you know, it, you always try to keep an ear to the ground you develop sources you kind of see if there's trends going on if there's good stories you write about them and there are good stories at every level you know there, there's always going to be something out there so um you know i always tell young journalists you know always you know always be nice to the secretaries that's kind of the key because they are the gatekeepers to everything um you know and uh you don't always want to talk to the coaches i think in, in youth sports especially in high school sports reporters tend to always talk to the coaches Gotta get to know the players too, because sometimes they have the best stories, um, and sometimes coaches want to protect their players. So if you if you can get into a, you know if you can get to know some players and know the parents at that level, um, then then you're pretty much doing what you have to do to develop those sources, and then you kind of grow from there. Um, but it doesn't really matter what 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 sport it is. You can you can cover one. In my opinion, you can cover them all. That's a really good point, and that's a perfect segue, just talking about stories. We're here to talk about the Arizona Cardinals, and they have been the story of the offseason because they did hold the number one overall pick, but I want to back up a little bit. They are a team that did not have a lack of turnover last year, I should say. Steve Wilkes is out the door now. Cliff Kingsbury enters the door. So just talk about some of the last season struggles that the team did experience with you having a firsthand experience and up-close and personal experience with the team. Yeah, it was uh, last year was 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 a mess. You know, they they hired a first year coach in Steve Wilkes, 
who I think after taking a step back and looking at the year, you can tell he was a little bit in over his head. Um, only had, you know, really one year coordinating experience. And I think, you know, if we kind of, you know, take a, a, a you know, 35,000 foot view, I think it's important for coaches to have more years, more than one year of, of, of coordinating experience. Because, you know, if you're a coordinator, you have all these people under you and you have to learn how to delegate. You, learn, you have to learn how to trust people. And I think um, that was one thing that I think Steve Wilkes is just, you know, still trying to understand was how to be a manager of other people. Um, and obviously the on-field product wasn't very good. He was, you know, he had to hire an offensive coordinator that was essentially forced upon him. Um, and that's never a recipe for success ever. So um, it was just an overall mess. You know, you, you, you trade, you know, you, you trade up to draft Josh Rosen. Um, the plan was to sit him, but then, you know, Sam Bradford, they gave a ton of money to, um, it, it, he did not pan out. He was not very good. It was a bad decision. And by week four, Josh Rosen's your starter. And, you know, he, he, they got what they, I think what many, you know, would expect to get out of a rookie quarterback. That was a lot of ups and downs, a huge roller coaster. I mean, if you look at all the other quarterbacks in his draft class, they went through the same thing. So there's nothing different about what Josh Rosen went through than what guys like Sam Darnold or Josh Allen or Baker Mayfield went through. You know, Mayfield had a little more success. But, um, yeah, it was an up and down season. Um, it was more down than up. Let's, let's let's say that they finished three and thirteen, and they uh, they you know they cleaned house after after that season, and you know you got to the point where ma- management and ownership was just so unhappy with how the season was going that they started looking for a replacement of Steve Wilkes pretty early. So I don't think they gave him a fair shot. I don't think they gave Josh Rosen a fair shot. But alas, that is where we are. So you talk about Josh Rosen, and I, I'm really glad you brought that up because. I want to dive a little bit deeper in behind. The, I want to peel the curtain back a little bit with him because we only really get an outside view of him. And I thought he handled the situation great with the thank you video coming out about the Cardinals. And I just thought with him sitting behind Sam Bradford, not as far as the, the things that came out about him last year about the draft. All you heard about was he was this spoiled kid that just had a bad attitude. attitude. But I just didn't see that with him. Even throughout the year, last year, I never seen anything negative come out about him. He never complained when he went in the game. I thought he played well at times, but he was just fighting an uphill battle just because of what was in front of him. And Christian Kirk did end up getting hurt down the back stretch of the year. He just didn't have anything outside on the perimeter. So just shed a little bit of light on exactly who Josh Rosen is and how you think he handled the situation now that he has gone to Miami. Well, I'll answer the second part first. I thought he handled it extremely well. I, Josh Rosen, knowing his background and knowing how opinionated he is, could have handled it very differently. He could have been very outspoken about it. He could have shown his frustration uh, through social media. He could have talked to the media more in general, um, but he kept quiet. I think he understood that there is a perception of him, an unfair perception of him that he needed to change. I think uh, he set out to do that by basically, you know, taking the high road. And that's exactly what he did. He was um, given a, a raw deal. You know, he got, he drew the short straw and I, he handled it very professionally, kind of just kept his mouth shut, um, which is, you know, I'm sure it was very hard for him uh, knowing him. And I think, you know, once the trade did happen, you know, he had that very professional video. He offered Kyler Murray his apartment in Scottsdale. Um, so, you know, he, he really showed, I think, um, a lot of people who don't really know him, they should, you know, I think he turned a lot of heads of how professionally uh, he handled it. Now, with that being said, 
being around him every day, you know, I was impressed with him. I think one thing that, you know, when he was drafted, he made a lot of, uh, you know, I think a lot of people thought they were, you know, smart aleck comments about there were nine mistakes taken ahead of him. Then he revised that to there were three mistakes taken ahead of him, meaning the quarterbacks. But um, that's who Josh Rosen is. He's very outspoken. He's very opinionated. And when he got to the Cardinals, um, they really kind of put a muzzle on him. They they really kind of, you know, shut him up. And I thought unfairly. Um, and I think part of it was also he understood that what his role was, which was as a backup quarterback, a rookie backup quarterback. He wanted to be seen and not heard. And I think he tried to change the narrative of him, of himself, which I thought he accomplished, but people – didn't really pay attention to what he did currently. They only looked at what he had done in the past. And that was speaking out against the NCAA, giving his opinion on, you know, the draft and other things. And I think that people still viewed him under that light, which uh, if you paid any attention to him over the last year, he did not say anything controversial. Any question that was controversial, he basically said, I don't know, and passed pass on answering it. So um, you can tell by the end of the season, he was getting frustrated, but who wouldn't when you're that bad of a football team? Um, but uh, I thought he handled everything very professionally. And I think, I think a, um, an angry and a spurned Josh Rosen could be a very good Josh Rosen. Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you, but I want to reverse course a little bit. So the Cliff Kingsbury hire, it really came out of left field. Nobody really was expecting it because he had just recently got fired from Texas tech and there were a pool of candidates. I'm not sure if they were ever made public from Michael Bidwell or even Steve Kime, but the Cliff Kingsbury debacle, well, I don't want to say debacle, but higher really started to gain steam. And when did you really see it as a distinct possibility that this could happen, that he eventually could be the next head coach of the Arizona Cardinals? And probably in the couple of days before it actually happened, if not the, you know, the day it happened. Um, there's always, you know, rumors um, that they were looking at him, that he was interested, but, you know, he was still under contract at USC. So we didn't know how that was going to work out. But um, he resigned from from USC and ended up taking the, the Cardinals job. But you know, talking to Steve Kime over the, you know in the aftermath of him getting hired, it seems like he had always had his eye on him. He always liked the way he coached. Um, Michael Bidwell, the team president, was very open about wanting an offensive minded head coach. Basically, they wanted to replicate what the Rams had um, or have, and whether that works, it was still yet to be seen. But they wanted to find a young offensive minded head coach who can spend his time focusing on the offense, and then from there. They wanted to find a veteran defensive coach, and they did that in Vance Joseph, who's a defense coordinator, who can focus on the defense and kind of you know make them somewhat pretty you know pretty separate. If you if you if we're really going to be honest here, um, even though Cliff Kingsbury is still the head coach, what was most you know interesting to me was when Cliff Kingsbury was hired, he relied and still is relying a lot on general manager Steve Kime to. Um, to do a lot of the hiring. Oh, you know, he relied on him for a lot of the evaluation. So there's, there's a crutch there, um, for kick, you know, Cliff Kingsbury right to a point where he just, he didn't know a lot of people who he could bring with stuff like that. So he had to rely on, on, on Steve Kime a lot. So in my opinion, this is as big of a year for Steve Kime as it is for Cliff Kingsbury simply because if this doesn't pan out, we can pin a lot of this on Steve Kime, maybe more on him than on, Cliff Kingsbury. So um, there was a lot of surprise, I think, around the league that you, as the Cardinals, hired a guy who went 35 and 40 in college, but the Cardinals wanted someone who is offensive-minded, who is somewhat, um, you know, um, uh, creative with his offense, and they got that guy in Cliff Kingsbury. Now the big question is, will the Cliff Kingsbury experiment work? 
Yeah, and I think that's something <laughs> even ourselves are really waiting to see because we could see this thing going really good or really bad. And I think a lot of jobs are at stake. Uh, and you just alluded to it with Steve Kahn having so much pressure on it. And then they go out, they draft Kyler Murray. And you see the video coming out a couple months ago prior to the draft with Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury saying that if he ever had the number one selection, that he would select Kyler Murray. So, again, when did you really see this as a possibility that they would select him with the top overall pick? Because they really remained coy throughout this entire process. Well, they tried to remain coy. But I think if you kept reading in between the lines, you pretty much figured they would take him. Um, but to me, it really kind of picked up steam after the combine. Um, you saw the reports that, you know, Cliff Kingsbury was telling people the combine that he was definitely taking Kyler. Um, and then I think the more you just kind of just read, you know, read the tea leaves, you saw it was going to happen. And then, you know, I went on the ESPN nation and mock draft and, um, ESPN NFL nation mock draft. And I predicted Kyler Murray. And I think at that point I, I was pretty certain it was going to happen, um, which was the week of the draft. But, um, yeah, you just kind of, you know, they were, they try to keep their, their cards, no pun intended, very close to the vest and they were able to do that. But at the same time, you know, they enough was leaked out when you kind of put all the puzzle pieces together and saw that it was going to be Kyler Murray. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash blue wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blades, rich lathering shave gel, and even a travel blade cover. Get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a very fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's Blades comes with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire. Again, that's harrys.com slash B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E to redeem your razor for only $3. So outside of Kyler Murray, I thought this team had a really good draft overall. I think it was the by far the best one since Steve Kahn took over this entire team. And I thought they took a really best player available approach. And I really love his quote. He said that they got four guys in their top 35. And I firmly believe that. And they got really good players. And Kyler Murray, of course, Byron Murphy, Andy Isabella, Zach Allen, and Hakeem Butler in the first four rounds. So what is your overall opinion of this draft class? I thought it was it was good, you know. Um, obviously, Kyler Murray is a headliner, um, and you know he could either be a total, you know, NFL disruptor. He could totally change the game, or he can struggle. I don't know if there's going to be a middle ground for him. Um, and then after that, you know, Byron Murphy in the second round was a he, he addressed a position of need, that cornerback position opposite of Patrick Peterson, and then the receivers definitely addressed a position of need. Um, so I think from that standpoint, you know, they, they did a lot of good things for this organization. Um, now, just like any draft classes, you know, they're good on paper, but will they be good on the field? So there's a lot still to be determined to be seen, but I think this, um, this is one of the few drafts where I think Steve Kime actually looked at needs. Um, he likes to say, he likes to say, he, you know, he follows his board and 
drafted the best player available, but they coincidentally have filled a lot of necessary needs for this team to win games in 2019. Yeah, and this roster, it was really depleted, and it's no secret that they needed a lot of help on both sides of the ball, and I thought Cliff Kingsbury's blueprint was really all over this draft class, and they addressed quarterback, of course, after they did eventually end up trading away Josh Rosen, but drafting three receivers right away, I thought, well, two receivers, I should say, right away, I think that really was a huge blueprint, exactly what Cliff Kingsbury wants to do. But the last question I want to ask you is that the Cardinals are included within what I think is one of the tougher divisions throughout the NFL and the NFC West. I mean, you have the Seattle Seahawks, you have the L.A. Rams and the San Francisco 49ers, three teams that definitely could be contenders now, especially if Jimmy Garoppolo does get back to the form that a lot of people are thinking that he could get back to. So. I think the Cardinals may be stuck in the basement of this division, but what are your realistic expectations for this organization going forward? I, I predict them to go five and eleven, and I, I'm I think I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with that that prediction. I don't think that they're going to be much better than that this year. Um, now, with that being said, if they go eleven and five, I'm not going to be surprised. Like I think there's a chance for them to be very very good or very bad. I don't know if there's going to be that middle ground eight and eight season this year. I just don't. Um, so I think it's going to be either really good or really bad. I'm going to tend to side with the really bad part of it just because there's going to be a lot of growing pains. There's going to be a lot of, there's a lot of unanswered questions that need to be figured out. Um, so I don't, I, I don't expect a lot from this team this year, but I think if they can, if this offense can work, if Cliff Kingsbury can figure out a way to block for the air raid, I think this offense could work in the long term. But um, I think this will be a crucial year in determining whether that could actually happen or not. And I can't wait to see. This is definitely one team I definitely will be having an eye on, just from the Kyler Murray dynamic to exactly what Cliff Kingsbury's offense looks like and can it translate to the NFL. But, Josh, I want to thank you once again, but do you have any upcoming articles or projects covering rookie minicamp upcoming that you want to let everyone know about? Um, Not on the docket at the moment. Uh, just keep checking the ESPN.com. Go to the Cardinals page or follow me on Twitter at Josh Weinfuss, and you'll be able to see all of my work. And I just want to thank you once again for coming on, Josh. It really was a pleasure having you on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Really fun interview right there with Josh Weinfuss, an ESPN NFL Nation reporter for the Arizona Cardinals. Just little things like that will be the type of coverage that I'm going to bring over the next few weeks and throughout the entirety of the offseason on the Draft Board podcast. I just want to be able to pull the curtain back on each and all 32 teams throughout the league. And I'm going to be interviewing every single beat writers or certain beat writers from around the league just to give you insights and different angles from each team heading into the 2019 season. So with that being said, I am your host, Jordan Reed. Now, on next Monday's edition of the Draft Boy Podcast, I will bring in Joe Fan, the official reporter for the San Francisco 49ers. We will dive into a lot of things like Nick Bosa. Kyle Shanahan, and exactly how they plan to get back atop the NFC West now that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be back under center. So make sure to be on the lookout for that. Remember, tell a friend to tell a friend to check out the Draft Board Podcast, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. Once again, I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. That's at J-R-E-I-D-NFL. You can find my work on Cover1.net as well as ClimbingThePocket.com. Make sure to be on the lookout for some upcoming work that I do have, not only on the Draft Board Podcast, but also those websites as well. Once again, I want to thank you guys for listening. Be on the lookout for next Monday's show. Tell a friend to tell a friend to check out the podcast. And it was a pleasure. Thank you.